Welcome to episode 231 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. We are going to be doing a full review of the new Dream Eclipse series here in a couple weeks or so. They sent me a whole set to, to check out for reviews. So we're going to share that audio with you here. But for now, just go to Dream's Facebook page or their YouTube page and you'll see some really nice quality demo videos by Phil Hawkins, who is one of Dream's artists of the Eclipse series. If you're not familiar with those, they are they are unlathed from the bell to about halfway out and then fully lathed all the way out to the edge. There is a very distinct difference in feel and articulation, whether you're playing on the unlathed versus the lathe portion. That's all I'm going to talk about now. For now, let's get the show rolling. hour deep into this thing buddy and we are 72 hours late on this thing well that's 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 on uh that's dpt <laughs> drummer people time drummers yeah. never show up on time but 72 hours i'll agree that's a little much Is but that that's right? because what 72 hours yeah very much i don't know 48 Whatever. hours three days yeah we're, either way our apologies for not getting the show out you were on, on Friday. You were on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, we overlapped in just a weird way. I was on the West Coast for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you were out for a couple of days. Yeah. So there was no chance. And we were supposed to, what, Wednesday we were going to try to? Wednesday We were night. going to, but you were there. And then uh, Thursday or Wednesday night, I had to leave and went to Carmel. So I must have been pretty close to you. If you were in, you were in Santa Cruz or mm-hmm. San Diego? Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, yeah. So if you're in Santa Cruz and I was in Carmel, yeah, I could have probably hit a golf ball from Pebble Beach <laughs> and landed at the Sugar Percussion Factory. Jefferson would have been like, what the hell? So how was that? It was amazing. I think, I think I'll think i save the, the deep dive on the experience until I write it because I'm going to write, gonna write a story on it. But okay. the short story is I flew in California for the sugar percussion snare drum workshop having zero skill or experience with anything other than like a handsaw like i and you mean coming when it comes to making a drum making an instrument nothing right. i've not been in a wood shop since i was in seventh grade no clue so we went from picking the wood to leaving with a finished drum that i believe sounds as good as any drum i've ever played and looks clean and super awesome magic i don't know how it happened but it did wow it's pretty cool i mean it it definitely i mean i knew i had a lot of respect for what jefferson and noah are doing at sugar percussion because just their attention to detail and everything just looks so clean Um, but seeing them work their subtle magic in certain ways along the process like Mm -hmm. They're kind of savants of drum building in a way. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like for the, I'll give you one example. Once you cut all the staves out into like 32, six inch by like one and a half inch chunks. Okay. They're all laid out on a table. And that's when you have to kind of match the grains and figure out how you want the shell to lay up. So I had it at wow. a point where I'm like, oh, it looks kind of clean. The goal is to not be able to see the staves. That's Jefferson's kind of goal is to not see the, the, where one piece of wood breaks into another okay so i had a point where i thought it was kind of clean and he came over and looked at it i was like yeah you happy with that <laughs> i'm like no I don't, I don't i don't know you do your thing and then it was like a beautiful mind just wood started moving and flipping and orienting and then i ended up with a with 32 pieces that i literally could not tell where one started and wow. one stopped so just that magic and then noah who does a lot of the building there as well 
he, he can do bearing edges like in this strange way if he just knows exactly how much to sand off. So he, you know, he let us do a lot of the, you know, the rough sanding, but it came down to like the final step. He's like, yeah, let me, let me touch it up a bit. And then within like 10 seconds, like, oh, there it is. It's perfectly smooth. Wow. <laughs> so just a whole new respect for the craftsmanship of these instruments that I think we take for granted because things are just made so easily in contemporary manufacturing. Yeah. You think, I think almost there's a reverse psychology of when something looks so clean, you kind of overlook what it took to get it there. You kind of underappreciate it where if these shells had like some obvious, like that's obviously where someone had to make that. You'd be like, Oh, right. they, this is really well crafted, yeah. but there's no edges. There's no seams. It, it looks, it looks like it could have been 3d printed in a way. Well, before the foundry reserve line, Meinl's most expensive line of symbols was the line that had the least amount of effort put into it. They were just the ugliest ones they had. Mm. But it was like, dude, it's a raw blank with a bell. Yeah, and you just have a psych- you know, your responses. And in your mind, you're like, that's insane. And then you see like a beautiful, polished crash. It's like, no, that's 40 more steps than that ugly one. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, yeah, but it looks perfect. So bring that price down. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally strange. agree. And I think that with Jefferson's stuff, it's... <sighs> Man, I, that's one of those drums. I, I don't know if you do this when you have either students over to the house or if you're hanging out with drummers that aren't quite as experienced, but that's one of those snares that I always, the first thing I do instead of having them play it is tell them to turn it over. Like you yeah. won't appreciate this drum until you see through the clear side. Yeah. And that's one thing he told us was like, you're, you're all going to have my neurosis. Now you're going to be seeing all the flaws in every other drum that you think you love. Right. And now you're going to look inside and like, ah, they, they, they skimped on that. Hey, skimped on kudos, that. kudos to Jefferson for seeing all that and not calling it out in social media. <laughs> true. You know what true. I mean? Cause we all like the, the more you learn, I just had a, my guitarist Dean I started teaching him he's starting to film himself I got him the Canon M50 by the way the problem I mentioned last time has been fixed and that will be my pick of the week as far Ooh. as getting the memory card and all that kind of stuff okay. but um, so I started teaching him about things and skin tones and now that he's filming himself I'm showing him how to correct everything and we're having these little days where we open up Premiere and I teach him all this stuff he will not stop texting me images from either his computer or from tv where he's like look how bad this guy's face looks i can't stop seeing how magenta things are it's overly cyan i'm like okay buddy just i'm like i see it too we just you know you just it's it's take you you want the blue pill or the red pill (laughs) just live with your bliss so uh yeah well i'm glad i can't wait to learn more about it i have a ton of questions for you but i don't want to spoil it until you have the article written so I'm, I'm super excited about that. By the way, uh, the clinic tour with Jason McGurr has been 100% confirmed. So I have the Sick. dates for that. When's so that? that's going to be in late March. We're going to start in Fresno, California at Bentley's Drum Shop on March 25th. Then we will be traveling to Dub's Drum Basement in Dublin, California on March 26th. We will be hitting uh, a student of mine opened a drum school a while back in Medford, Oregon. It's called the Rogue Valley Drum School. And Jason was kind enough. I was like, dude. We have nothing between Dublin, California and Portland, Oregon. Mm. You want to stop in Medford? And he's like, yeah, totally. What shop? I'm like, well, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we're going to get paid for this one, but it's going to be awesome. And he was like, dude, I'm totally in. If we can help drummers, let's do it. So kudos to Jason for that. So on March 27th, we'll be in Medford, Oregon at the Rogue Valley Drum School. Then March 28th, we will be at one of the greatest shops in the history of drum shops, Revival Drum Shop in Portland, Oregon. And on the 29th, we will be at Jason's 
alma mater. That is the Seattle Drum School. So Sweet. Uh, 25th through the 29th, five dates only. And hopefully as this thing builds, then Jason and I will be able to do more of these based off of his touring schedule and my clinic schedule. So, so are you going to be loading two kits in the one car or are you going to be use back? So he's actually, yeah, he's, he's going big. He's got, uh, he has a broadcaster in my sizes and a broadcaster in his sizes. So he's actually just going to come down with my kit. Pretty much. He's going to drive down from Seattle, pick me up in Sacramento. Then we'll head South together with two kits and PA we're trying to make this as easy as possible for the stores. <laughs> okay. You just roll we in. We will literally show up. You, we don't. We won't abuse your gear. We've got all of our own stuff. We just roll <laughs> in, play, shake hands, and let's have some fun. The whole point of this clinic tour, though, is you know, it's the non-domination clinic tour. We are not going to be just throwing heat. We're going to play the way we play, but the cool thing is the way that both of us play, it doesn't scare anybody. Um, mm. And so I made a little mistake. I, I had a... I had a groove that I put up on like an Instagram story the other day in seven. And he just was kind enough to write, say like, Hey man, let's, let's use this in our clinic intro. And then I just wrote like, LOL in caps and exclamation point. And then a crying face and like, whatever, bro. Like, cause I mean, to me, he's like one of the groove gods. That's like Matt Chamberlain being like, yeah, we should use your stuff. I'm like, yeah, we really shouldn't. Um, and then he was like, Oh, okay. If you don't want to, that's cool. And I'm like, Oh wait, were you hell? Yeah. I would love to use one of my grooves, but you're kind of the man. So I, I'm really excited to that's see what funny. we can come up with together. Cause he's such, he's got that Glenn Kochi vibe. Uh, person that's on the cover of the current current issue modern mm-hmm. drummer but he's got that vibe where he's collaborative and i can't wait to see what we can come up with together instead of him being like well yeah just show me that groove and i'll copy it and it's like well then why don't i just do it by myself mm-hmm. i can see him going like yeah when you do that i came up with this melody for it and it's like oh, dude this is going to be heaven so that really excited fun. about that so it should be a lot of fun also need to clarify something a lot of you guys sent me uh, playlist recommendations when I was talking about modern music <laughs> not being any good. I was not saying that modern music, there's no good new music. I, all the music I listen to is from the last two or three years. And even the fusion I listen to now, I prefer listening to Donnie McCaslin with Mark Giuliano over the Dave Weckl band from 92. So, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so most of the music I listen to is modern. Dave, no offense, you're you're amazing, but <laughs> I can only handle so much of that. So, so I listen to modern music. That's not the problem. I was referring to the current top twenty hits, yeah, pop, and pop charts. I was exactly, and when I was thinking back to like, let's say the most bubblegum of ten years ago, fifteen years ago, Britney Spears, Toxic. There's so much dynamics in that song. Uh, Christina Aguilera, beautiful, flat doom doom doom, big yeah. old Ringo Starr fills. Cloud on that one, yeah, yeah, and so Real and drums. that's like I'm, I'm that's full blown bubblegum. <laughs> so what I'm saying is the modern current <clears throat> pop hits were just a little bit like lifeless to me. They just went like it was like somebody pressed on and they just played through the whole track. So please don't misunderstand. I'm saying no good music is being made. I'd much rather listen to Animals as Leaders over Slayer from 96. So that's not it. And just so you guys know, you sent me a lot of playlists. <laughs> Most of that stuff was from the early 2000s. So you sent me something that was two decades old and said, what do you mean there's no good new music? Case in point. 
<laughs> just saying. Oh, it just, just saying. reminds me. I re rekindled my love of Brian Blade this weekend thanks to my friend Shane who sent me a link to the Chick Corea Trilogy 2 record. Have you heard this? No. It's a live piano trio with Chick Corea, Christian McBride, and Brian Blade came out, I guess, late last year. Man. Man. That's a dream gig for me would be a piano trio. Mm. Absolute dream. And Brian's just so next level. So there's some brand new music that I'm very there proud of, but it is not what we're talking about. We're talking about pop charts. That's what it, that that is it. And and I, I will say I'm sure there's plenty of great pop artists. I just think that even the current rung of pop artists, it would just be so much more exciting if it was a band. I think a lot of people feel that way. I used to always feel that way about R&B back in, in the 90s and the 2000s. I was like, "Ah, I saw I saw Jill Scott live and she had a band and it was so much better than the album just record with the band." But I get off my soapbox. It is time to dive in to our first topic of the day. And that is, oh, did you want to talk about practice issues before we get into our 6-8 versus 3-4? Okay. So, yeah, I kind of gave you a little heads up on this. So I'm having experiencing this sort of cognitive dissonance. Is that the term? Where I don't think we teach or study or think about the challenge of being on a gig and having everything kind of go sour. Whereas when we're practicing, almost every teacher says the same thing. Just step away from it. Come back to it tomorrow. It'll be okay. Take a break. What if you're literally on the gig and you feel the disconnect between your brain and your body? And you've got and let's say three hours it's a, to go. I was going to say, let's say it's a three-hour cover gig. It's like and, something happens in the first five yep. minutes and then you're just off the rails. What yep. strategies are there to get us back into focus where you don't like literally for me it's like it's a flight response like i just want to put the six down and leave yeah i mean i do. i say the same thing to every student when they encounter a specific issue which is how often do you practice this thing that's causing you problems and generally the answer is never and it's like well how could you be any good at anything that you haven't practiced and in this case i would say how could you be any good at overcoming a mental hurdle or just the hurdle of uncomfortability until you practice it. So if you just sat down for 10 minutes a day and created an uncomfortable situation, all right, I'm going to play these three songs that I know I have coming up with this artist with my sticks backwards, one stick backwards, Mm -hmm. one stick forwards, like creating an uncomfortable situation. I'm going to take one in ear out, uh, you know, going through that stuff for me personally, it's all, you know, most of my on stage, I can't get out of this stuff is clinics, but that can be 60 to 70 minutes. And we were talking about this before the podcast started. Not only do I have to play, but then I have to grab a microphone and try to inspire people. So if I'm in a bad mood on a cover gig, I just kind of grin and bear it, get through it. Yeah. Bad mood at a clinic. You can't, you can't, they don't, there's, they don't have time for that. They came out to be inspired. And, and if you just grab the mic and go, Oh my God. <laughs> Hey, what city is this? Cool. Why is it so freaking cold here? That like that, they're, they're like, where's the bar? <laughs> you guys got a matcha bar around here anywhere? No, this place sucks. I'm out. Gretch, buy one. Uh, so obviously, I can't do that. So I, I spend a lot of time using the the principles I learned from studying Michael Jordan, which is just the pre-visualization of all the things that can go wrong. Instead of the pre-visualization of like, imagine yourself playing for 30,000 people. 
I'm like, how about I imagine myself playing for four people in a room that holds 30,000 people? Mm-hmm. How would I handle that? And I just go through all that stuff. So let me ask you this. The issue that you went through recently, was it actually happening? Like th- things were happening physically to the kid and to your playing, or was it mostly in your head or was it something that actually happened that caused you to go down a deep spiral in your head? Mm. Well, I mean, this is probably like a, amalgam of years of experiences of this kind of happening it's certainly it's like it can start off like 100% this is the best performance of my life something flips whether it's a physical thing where maybe the gear does something weird it's a distraction something creates dissonance or another player who does something that kind of gets me out of the mode Um, or what was it Recently, I just felt uncomfortable with the kit. Like I felt like I was off balance for no reason other than just that day. Maybe I put on more weight around my waist. I don't know, but you know. So like the gear, the pedal could be weird, but usually that stuff I can kind of push through. It's once my brain kind of flips to like everything is jacked up and I don't know where I am and what what's my name. That's when right. it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah get the hell out of here, like pack it and get out of here. And then yeah. it's like, well, what, gosh, like, I'm, but you're in a situation where you can't. Yeah. And it's like, what I'm trying to find, what, what would be the mental exercises to, to kind of refocus in the heat of battle? Like that's, it's right. kind of like it, it is a sports analogy to where you have a bad game, you have a bad game. It's almost impossible to turn it around, but how do right. you keep from just destroying yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I looked at even, even watching the Super Bowl and, all of a sudden, um, who's our handsome quarterback for the Niners? Uh, oh, Garoppolo. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo throws a pick, and he's running off the field. And as a Niners fan, I'm just thinking, dude, shake it off. Shake it off. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift this shit stuff and shake it <laughs> off. Like, <laughs> Brush off your shoulders and let's go. And I'm just seeing him jog off the field, and I'm thinking, do you have the Brady-ness? Do you have the Peyton Manning-ness to not let this bother you mm-hmm. in the biggest moment of your entire life, or is this the beginning of your downward spiral because you're going to try to make up for this problem for the next 30 minutes? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough thing. And I, I even though I said you have to practice being uncomfortable if you want to get used to being uncomfortable, it's different you know, it, it goes so far there. There's a moment, like you said, where you're just down and you're like, I really kind of want this to be over and to get out of that. That is extremely tough, especially. And I've done things. I remember playing the the show that you guys put on the Columbus drum days. Oh, right. Yeah. That was one of the worst drum solos I've ever played in my life <laughs> in one of the most pra- pressure packed situations of my life yeah after filmed. playing yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah there's like cranes going around after Hasek, which i was like okay at least i got drum solos taken care of like i got that now and then uh no i don't and it's going bad <laughs> and i'm thinking well we're six 65 seconds into this thing and i can't remember what happened something fell over like maybe a cowbell that's what it was yeah not my cowbell the Minel Grubel would have done just fine. <laughs> the cowbell that was being used that day by another company. Yes, that. Yeah. So I didn't it like fall down onto my floor tom yeah, or something. Did, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so that was one of those things where it's like, not now, not now, not now. And I'm trying to get out of it. And I was telling you earlier, a major catastrophe. I love those things. Like when an entire floor tom falls off the stage. That's a moment. That's yeah, yeah. awesome. 
that's, count yeah, me there's in. There's humor in but that. But a slight yeah. annoyance? <laughs> a slight annoyance? Like, oh, no, you didn't break a, a stick. You just chipped the tip <laughs> on your ride cymbal stick. Like, oh, dog, it's over. I hate my life. Get me out of here. Uh, uh, have we found a solution? I don't know, but that's... No! I don't know how you even would teach it. Like, I, I, I just kept circling on this idea of we have this sort of pedagogy of just step away from it well that isn't an answer but if you you have to figure out a way to get through it and not completely crash and burn like i feel like it's like if i can just get through it and have no one notice like that's the other thing no one notices i was having a bad day probably right but the whole time i'm like i do not know how to play this instrument like what is going on everything is just wrong I've definitely had those moments where my hands did not feel like my hands. And I was just like, come on. And, um, you know, and then my, my thought, my logical thought is like, all right, just pull back on the chops a little bit, pull back on the diddles and the sauce and go a little more basic. But even that stuff then is out of time. And it's like, okay, I literally can't play drum set. Yeah. It's like your nervous system is like in it right at the point of like (laughs) shedding all of its old cells. (laughs) Totally. You just have all these old nerves. (laughs) Oh, I'm with you, man. Uh, anyway, yeah. let's talk about something positive. So, okay, well, <laughs> something that's extremely easy to figure out is it six eight or is it three four? Uh, so mathematically, we've got the exact same thing: six eighth notes in one bar, at or three quarter notes. You've got the same thing, and so we have to figure out how do we know is this six eight or three four because. When I do this at drum camp with, especially with the inter- the advanced campers, no problem with the intermediate campers. And I say, all right, is this six, eight or three, four? And I put on a song, I would say probably six to seven times out of 10, they're actually wrong. Hmm. And that's, that's even with the drums in there. Now I don't give them the most, like, I don't give them lights by journey. You know, I'm not going to give them that, but it's just kind of, especially if there aren't drums and I just say, all right, here's the loop. Drums haven't come in yet. What are you feeling? Um, they generally get it wrong. And then when the drums come in, usually it can help. But as we will discover in this little uh, section here, it doesn't always help. So how do you decide if I just gave you a musical loop mm-hmm. that had no drums, how would you decide whether you're going to play six, eight or three, four? Probably the first thing I would listen for is any kind of obvious big pulse. Like, mm-hmm. is, if it's a bass line, is it playing like root and fifth in any kind of way that my ear just hears it as groups of three versus groups of two? Right. That'd be the first thing. I, I think I'd probably listen to percussion and bass as a okay. general rule. And because I think piano can kind of float over top of that, guitar can float over top of that, yeah. vocal can be either one. But I feel like if the bass is hitting dotted quarters versus quarters, I'm going to hear it one way or the other. Right. And yeah. when Mike says in two, a lot of times we refer to six, eight as it's felt in two because there are two main pulses. Obviously, you can have all the ghost notes you want, some extra accents, but you can feel it as kick is on one, snare is on four. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. So that's it's said like, oh, it's felt in two two main pulses where in three you can have three main pulses you can have uh well let me ask you this do you have a standard place that you put your snare do you put it on two do you put it on three in three four in three four yeah no it just depends on on the song um, on the song yeah. probably more often it lands on th- it just depends on the tempo and the song but probably on three yeah more often i mean i would suggest 
for any of you out there that haven't really put in a lot of time in in three, take like a slow, medium tempo Gadsden groove and just get used to putting the snare on two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, and then get used to putting it on three, one, two, three, one, two, three. You'll be surprised if you don't count. I guarantee you will float back to four, four. Mm. But if you count, you get used to that feel and then you can add in some ghost notes and add in some kicks. So get used to some of that. Um, so when we talk about three, four, a lot of times, I mean, my first experience was with three was a waltz. Right. Um, boom, besides check, check, boom, yeah. boom, check, there's like check, almost no check. air to do anything in that. Totally. And it, and it was really easy to sing in my head. Like, don't check. Chick, doom, chick, <laughs> right. chick. If I added one extra note anywhere, doom, chick, kit, doom, cat, tick, 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 I was like, oh, we're in four, four. Get me out of it. Get me out of it. So I just stayed boom, chick, chick. So I want to give you guys an audio example of something that uses that feel. It's not a waltz by any means, but it has that feel. This is a song by Faith No More called She Loves Me Not. I'm alone. can't help but at least for me not perceive that as them trying to be a little silly it just has like a silliness to it yes absolutely um and that's i mean that's what makes faith no more great is like Patton with these insanely rich deep vocals over this doom 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 and i think that that kind of three has a very looped feeling to it because it's so short one, two, a three, one, two, a three, start over, two, a three, start over, yeah. two, a three. And it's not even a two bar phrase of that. It's not doom, doom, do ka, doom, uh, ka, doom, doom, do ka. It's not that. It's really three quarter notes long. So <laughs> that's a very simple three to understand. I want to show you guys something else. This is a song called Man with a Movie Camera from the band Cinematic Orchestra. And with this one, I'm just going to let you guys hear the music before the drums come in and see how you feel it and see if you actually feel it the way the drummer is going to play it. Was, that's a good example when you asked me how do I what do I listen for? I was trying to figure out that bass line. Boom, 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 boom. I'm hearing that low note as right. the one. Not boom, 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 or boom, 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 Yeah, no. Yeah. You're not feeling it equally split into two parts. By the way, I don't know. I know Richard Spaven played with them for a while. I don't know who did this album, but man, if you want a good drum album, that... That album is fun to listen to. A cool for video sure. too. I've never heard this band at all. Dig it. Oh really? No. Yeah, no. this is uh when I was deep into uh what's a uh, gap that she is and get ready for the mullet cut. Uh uh our fi- uh Critters Buggin. When I was deep into Critters Buggin and <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That's track one. 
going old school with Matt Chamberlain. Uh, so when I was deep into that stuff and going into that world, uh, some people were like, oh, you got to check out the cinematic orchestra. I think you'd really like it. And this mm. was just heaven for me. So. All right. New playlist for me. Boom. There it's you just, go. This isn't new music, though, right? This is probably 20 no, years old. No, it's not. That is, that, is, <laughs> that is 13 years old. Okay. So, But yeah, I know Spaven toured with them. I just can't remember who actually played drums on the album. Okay, so now we've got two totally different threes. And now on this last one, I showed it to you, and it, it wasn't obvious. To me, I was like, this is in three, right? And then you were singing. You're like, ah, there's parts of it that could be felt in six. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a song called I Saw God by Victor Wooten. So let's give this a listen. This literally takes me back to being in an African drum and dance ensemble and having multiple pulses going on at once and and, mm. uh, and always being the the dumb kid is like, where's the one? And he's like, where do you feel it? I'm like, I feel it here. He goes, well, then there's the one. <laughs> like, you just find your one within this and <laughs> just loop and just go with it. So I feel yeah. the drums are clearly playing three quarter notes. Right. But to me, hearing that beat on three, one, that bass two, line three, has that, one, two, like three. a big three, boom, and then the vocal comes in as kind of more of a six, eight, five as well. So that to me is like a perfect, like modern approach to what African drumming and dance is all about is this multiple yeah. pulses and perspectives and it's a kaleidoscope and it all kind of interweaves. And it's also the reason that when a student asks a teacher, what's the difference between six, eight and three, four, it's not quite as simple as like, well, this is the beat for six, eight and this is the beat for three, four. Like yeah. music doesn't really work that way. Um, it can, like we showed you in the faith, the more song, or a six eight tune like Lights by Journey, where your every fill is four five six boom, clap doom doom boom, which is great, but it's not always that simple. So I yeah. want to jump into six eight for a second. This is the song that taught me six eight. So this is an old Genesis song called Misunderstanding, and this is how I learned that there are beats other than a four four rock beat. You don't hear that that kind of a rock beat too often anymore. I feel no, like that's of that, an era that maybe is overlooked these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was and that to me, if you guys when we kept referencing feeling it in two, when you have this doom doom ka doom 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 ka, we're saying that you can feel it as one, two, one, two, even though it's one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one. So that was the first time that I sat down as a as a kid and went, uh what? Nope. I was like, what? I don't understand. Extra note. Okay, here's a question about this one. Okay. How would you notate it? Would you notate it in 6-8 or would you notate it in 4-4 with triplets? Such a good question. I it Okay. I would just notate it in 6-8 because it's in 6-8, so I'm going to write it that way. 
But there are a lot of times where depending on the person I'm teaching, I have to make a judgment call. Like, I think this is going to mess you up more than it's going to help you. I'm going to write it in triplets. Mm. So in that case, you'd, I'd write it in two, four, one and a two and a one and a yeah. two and a one and a two. And that's even more confusing because people are like, wait, so so six, eight is triplets. It's like, no, it's six. Sort eight, of. No, the damn reason, it. That's, that's yeah. the reason I ask is I hear the pulse being so strong of a four, four pulse. One, yeah. two, three, three, four, and you're just f- subdividing it in triplets rather than just the way my brain sees it. But I've had that exact conversation with students and friends. Like how can a triplet and eighth note be the same thing? It's like, it's just a, it's a perspective for me. How do you feel the yeah. pulse? And then how do you divide that pulse? Cause I think six, eight, everything gets kind of like homogenized where the, the pulse totally. kind of gets, you could put the pulse anywhere in six, eight really. But if it's a four, four, the pulse is on that quarter note and now you're just good point. It. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. And if it was, um, you know, 12 eight, then I can feel it as one bar of four, four triplets, right? Yeah. One and a two and a three and a four and a one and a two and a three and a four and a one. And a oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just get so excited. All right. So uh, a little oh, bit man. more of what Mike and I are calling the modern rock six, eight. Uh, I, for me, I, I think you and I both feel the same. This is a Josh freeze ish. Judith, Perfect Circle, 6-8. But this is actually the band 30 Seconds to Mars. uh, And this is the song The Kill. What if I wanted to break? Laugh it all off in your face. What would you do? Is it possible that that is Josh Freeze? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Uh, I, I don't know. No, I, I know on this album, I mean, there's a lot of footage of uh, what's the other Leto guy? Shannon. Shannon Leto? Shannon. Yeah, Shannon Leto recording this stuff. And um, he can play, man. The dude can play. I, yeah. I, I've he never can been play, in the studio with him. such but, a Josh Freeze beat. And yeah. I'm sure and he's tones. got so many uncredited yeah. <laughs> records. And, and, and just like, I mean, the compression on the snare, but so that gives you, I think I feel that more is six, eight where the Genesis one, I can feel more as triplets. Yeah. I would never count this one at four, four. Cause to me, the 16th notes automatically make it right. There's no other option for me. It has to be six, eight for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, and so hopefully hearing those examples gives you guys a little bit more of an example of what is three, four, what is six, eight, even though if you have, a bar of each, they can mathematically be the same thing. It's really the feel. And that's the first thing that I do. If I heard something, the way Mike described listening for the bass line, if I listen to the bass line, listen to the melody, there were no drums, and I still couldn't really tell, the one thing you can do is I play 6-8 for about four bars, and then I play 3-4 for about four bars, and one of them feels obviously better. Mm-hmm. And that's when feel comes into this whole thing where it's like, yes, they're both mathematically correct. I, I got... I got a yes on my test. Yes, yeah. you are right. What's the, what is it? How does it feel better? And that's when it's like, oh, art. <laughs> now, I will, I, I will suggest going back to that Victor Wooten track. Yeah. That might be the one out of all these where you could play either one and it would feel right. So I think if you need some kind of play along to kind of mess around with 6834 and getting used to the transition between the two, if you just ignore what the drums are doing, I think you could play either one of those feels on that track. 
and it'll sound right. So then you're just having to shift your sense of the pulse being in as a as a three versus a two. It's almost like somebody knew what they were doing when they titled the music Fusion. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not fission. It's fusion. It We're bringing fusion. stuff together. It ain't possible. All right. What's next, sir? Oh, we should probably thank our sponsor, Dream. Bring it. We need to thank our sponsor, Dream Symbols. Uh, as I said in the intro, pretty clumsily. I um, want you to go to their Facebook page and their YouTube channel. Check out the new Eclipse series, which is a full full line of hats, crashes, ride. Um, it's an expansion on the Eclipse ride symbol, the 21-inch ride symbol that came out a while ago. That was so popular, they decided to flesh it out with a 23-inch ride, some crashes, some hi-hats. So go to their YouTube channel, go to their Facebook page. You'll hear their artist, uh, Phil Hawkins, do a really nice demo of them. And he also plays along some tracks. You can kind of hear these symbols in context. We did get a full set of these to review. So we'll be returning to these in a future episode. But um, I can tell you the ones that Dream put up on their site is, is really accurate of what these symbols sound like. So again, thank you, Dream. Go check out the Eclipse series, and let's get back to it. All right, our featured artist this week is Mr. Chris Johnson uh, from Lady Gaga. And I think when I met him, he was actually touring with Rihanna. Chris is one of those guys where you might think like, oh, but I don't know him from Instagram. That's because he's a little busy doing big kid gigs. (laughs) Big kid gigs. (laughs) (laughs) They're like downplaying the Instagram. No, he's, I mean, his credits are crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not kidding. Almost he's he's literally doing big kid gigs. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think he's got Madonna on his resume. <laughs> <laughs> Darius Rucker. Is that possible? Yeah. I, you know, I, I know that I did one short, like, two-day camp with him in Canada. I think it was called the Stickman Drum Experience. And Gurgle Borlai was there. Uh, Chris was there and, and uh, Daniel Glass, and he just couldn't have been kinder. Like I said, when I met him, I think at that time he was still Rihanna's drummer, and he just couldn't have been kinder and had zero ego whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And 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 it was set up to be this thing where it was a casual hang, but everyone was kind of swinging for the fences. I mean, once Gergo plays, it's like, oh, better yeah. bring out the chops. Yeah. And he just didn't go there personality wise, drumming wise. He was just all about making the room feel good and feel inclusive. Um, and it's really, really cool stuff. He's a open-handed player. I tell yeah. You. And I, I, I loved hearing about that in his article or reading that in his article, how he was getting his first gig. And I mean, the guy didn't listen to really any music other than gospel because his dad was a pastor until he was in his late teens. That's a and then he got recommended world. for a Stevie yeah. Wonder gig, and he's like, "Well, I guess I have to start in this in the seventies and work my way up." But I only know gospel tunes. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. And so, yeah, so it's really cool, and he had to learn all this stuff open handed because he's a left handed player. He's got a really unique setup, and uh, but I think we should listen to a little bit of his drumming before we wax on too much about him. Okay, so I think Sabian just recently put up. I mean, a few months back. He does one called, so if you search for Chris Johnson of Lady Gaga performs Blind Groove, but blind is spelled with a Y, B-L-Y-N-D. We'll start with that one. So he's demoing some of the new Sabian stuff, but he also is playing to a track. Check it out.
Man, I have a feeling he's not very difficult to mix. Yeah, it sounds pretty clean. And you know, there were so so, many opportunities for him to do a bunch of drum stuff, and he just didn't. (laughs) He just kept it right there, right in the the beat, which I have so much respect for. If you're going to fly out to a studio and Sabian's going to film you, I mean, the tendency is let me throw in everything I could possibly do, I would think, for most of us. But he's... Totally. Absolutely. I'm a minute in with no licks to speak of, really. And it's not because he can't. It's actually a choice of, like, no, even though this is a Sabian video and it's going to get a hundred thousand views or more, yeah, a, a few producers are going to see this. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and keep my gigs. <laughs> yeah, and it's true. just like, man, what a stud! Super unique setup. He's got a rack tom directly in the middle of the bass drum, uh, split by some tom. Uh, so he's got a obviously his snare is in the normal spot, and then he's got a snare where your normal floor tom spot would be another snare and then his floor tom is to the right of that but the rack tom is directly in the middle of the kit yeah i think in in this genre where you're having to trigger not in this example but on his his real world quote-unquote gigs where you're having to trigger pads and stuff Mm open-handed is absolutely the way to go can you imagine being cross-handed and trying to like trigger you know a bunch of different tracks and pads and samples i mean the only option is to do what you're not allowed to do shouldn't ever do on tour which is to put the sample pad right in the middle like in front of your face but that would block your face from the cameras and from the crowd and then what's the point of being on tour if nobody can see you (laughs) so you can't do that but yeah it's uh i mean when i look at guys guys rigs like chris's rig uh who's our boy uh brendan buckley his rig you know i mean you're really seeing guys and gals that have had to figure this stuff out on the fly because it, they, they didn't have anybody to look to. Like, how do you do this? And a lot of times when this happens, at some point, it's your first time doing this thing, this hybrid drumming thing. Mm-hmm. And whoever does it already, they're not going to help you. <laughs> they're going to lie and mess you up and be like, oh, yeah, you should get this and get this. And like, hmm. I think you're trying to make sure that I don't get your gig. Uh, so yeah, so it's pretty cool stuff. But I, I mean, on this, it's really cool to see Chris playing a fully organic kit. He's got his ride cymbal on his left because he's open handed. He's got a stacker, um, and his drums just sound fantastic. You want to check out the other one? Yeah, the other one is titled uh, "Chris Johnson of Lady Gaga Performs the Next Day." Handed to his advantage, he's able to add little totally. colors of toms and stuff, and have it just flow. I wish I could. Go yeah, back and, and that's the thing is, again. I know, and the way that he composes his own drumming, everything is so clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you know, he first I mean, hit that ten-inch tom, so this kit right? is a more of a standard-looking kit. The second snare is still in the floor tom position. But yeah, when he hit that ten-inch tom, I was like, oh, that was a nice-sounding drum. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
This is almost like product demo for everything. For like, <laughs> hey, this is how a drum set should sound. Uh, yeah, he's he's fantastic, and having to do the type of gigs he does. Uh, he was talking about something in the article where he did a Nelly Furtado gig with no rehearsals and learned the songs on the flight to Dubai, landed and played the gig in Dubai, and just that his his background is what caused him to be able to do that. If he can hear it, he can get it. You know, he just has to hear the parts and then they're memorized. Um, and I think that maybe for a lot of pro drummers that are listening right now, you might be thinking like, oh yeah, man, we do that all the time. But for somebody that's not a professional, hasn't gigged a lot, it's it's still almost like just magic that these guys can listen to eight to 12 tracks on a flight somewhere a few times, land and then play to 20,000 people without ever even meeting the artist, let alone rehearsing. Yeah, I should probably ask Chris about the whole mental side of, of this thing. <laughs> hey, when no you land room. in Dubai and things are going wrong on a gig that you had no rehearsals for, how do you get out of it? Because you still have 45 minutes left <laughs> yeah. with the biggest artist in the world. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, super well, cool. uh, please check out the article. Uh, March I issue, so it's the one that's been out for a while. We'll be shifting into the April issue next week, but if you haven't checked it out, it's in the March issue with uh, Alex Gonzalez is on the cover. The one thing that I love about that article is that whoever interviewed him just said a few things like technique and then let him go and then mm-hmm. said groove and let him go. And no question, just like one word and he went off. And I thought that his answers were super insightful to how he sees those things exercises and all that stuff. It was really cool. So definitely check out his article and you can find him on social media as well. Check out those Sabian videos because they're shot really beautifully and his drums just sound fantastic as his drumming does as well. All right, we're moving into a little bit of candy. This is a weird one. We've never reviewed one of my signature products, so I'm going to kind of bail on this one. Uh, All right, so we're doing a little bit of an uh, you know advanced scoop on the Gretsch Brooklyn standard snare. It's going to be the review is in the April issue, which we will be. I guess if you subscribe, you'll get your digital copy in a couple of days here on the twenty eighth. But I wanted to kind of focus on the audio of it here. Maybe we can come back to it later because we've talked about it a bit. We haven't really gotten my experience with it yet, so. <laughs> Where do we begin? <laughs> First of all, you what know? is the drum? It's a five and a half by fourteen maple poplar shell, six ply. Yep. So uh, it, it starts with the not no pun intended the standard Brooklyn shell, which would be poplar. Uh, I'm sorry, maple. Then four plies of poplar, then maple. So it's mostly a so poplar, six ply shell. Mostly yep. a poplar shell. And sharper bearing edges than normal, right? That's yep. a, a tweak. That Dual you 45. Um, so we made that. I think the only other drum that has that in Gretsch's lineup is the Vinnie Caliuta signature snare. So the goal there was Gretsch makes a ton of great sounding snare drums. Let's not make another Gretsch sounding snare drum. Let's add something to the sound of the lineup. Let's make sure that it is super versatile. And this was my goal with this was this was a student's first professional snare drum right so it's not the best snare it's not it's just not in that category the category is okay i don't know enough about drums to spend twelve hundred dollars yet let me get a snare that i hate to say this because it's a terrible tagline but let me get a snare drum that will never embarrass me Mm. and 
then I'm good. And then from there, you can do whatever you want. So what you'll see uh, when you check out the video when it's made public next week, I I did an 11, 12-minute demo of this drum. I went from started in the beginning, medium, kind of where I always start with, which is kind of maybe medium tight over tight bottom with the dampener completely off, played it for a while, and then I went through with the dampener just slightly grazing the batter head, and then I went with the dampener like fully engaged. So you get that like a medium tight, and then I went... So I kind of set my, my baseline, and I went as high as it could go, did the exact same thing, and just kept backing it down by a quarter turn each until I got to the absolute bottom of the tuning range. So if you want to go full nerd next week, that'll be on the website. It's 11 and 40 seconds. You went deep, bro. <laughs> I just kept playing the drum, and it's just playing. There's not much more to it. Right. So I figured we would maybe just drop in the the what I think of my... You know, if I'm just kind of zeroing out what a drum can do, my mid temp, my uh, medium high tension vibes. We'll do the first minute of that. So you're going to hear it Perfect. wide open, a little bit of dampening, and then with the dampener fully engaged. Yeah, I, I, dude, I can't even talk about any of this because it's so weird to see you play this drum. Uh, so whatever, dude. It sounds like a freaking drum. It did its job. It did its job. So I will. Let's see. What can I call out? 
the wider snares because you have a 40 strand or 30 strand 42 42 strand yep it definitely added some some more uh, high-end sparkle at the same time I had to resist the urge to keep tightening the wires because just by nature they're going to rattle just a little bit more than right. a smaller strainer. So I couldn't get any kind of like if I, I wouldn't play bolero with a symphony orchestra on this drum, right? But it's not designed for that. So there is a certain amount of of natural uh, res, uh, reverberation, I think, to the drum that no matter what, which is cool. It's not. A, it's not a complaint. It's just it's not going to give you that really tight no snare buzz response right um which made it kind of open up nicely um the dampener i found was you had to do quite a few turns to get it to engage but then from once it was touching the head to fully engaged was not a whole lot so that could be seen as an advantage because you can go from a little bit of dampening to fully dead and just a couple twists of that that thing which is cool it it definitely touches more of the head than any other internal dampener that I've uh, messed with. Like it's the old Gretsch style, right? That's like an old throwback style. Yeah, it's it's really just from like the 30s and 40s, and so yeah. uh, it's a little bit different than the Ludwig Circle one mm-hmm. that kind of pushes the head up in a specific spot, which um, is <clears throat> same as like what you're saying. It can be seen as a positive or a negative. It just is, but this one spreads the drum out a little bit more, and I think there should be something said, especially with. Drums coming out, which is silly that they're coming out with dampeners and people are like, this is a new feature. <laughs> but with it being a relaunched feature for a lot of drums, there is a different sound between dampening a drum from beneath the head with a dampener yeah. and then putting gels on. It's not better or worse. It's a different, it's an act, it's actually a different sound. So you might find that with the dampener, you love that sound, or you might find that you don't at all. I will say, the reason I chose to put this on, one, it didn't change the price of the drum very much at all. We were able to stay under $500 and mm-hmm. add that feature. So I said, why not? Because you can always just leave it off. Mm-hmm. So why not have it? But we did choose to go with Gretsch's version of the tube lug. So this drum does ring out quite a bit when it's wide open. Yeah. So it's nice to have that option. But I have a much easier time dialing in that dampener. So like you said, barely grazing the head, mm-hmm. then I do cutting up a bunch of gels with an X-Acto knife and trying not to slice my finger off to get one little tic-tac-sized piece of gel. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's impractical for gigging because that's the first thing I do on a gig is kind of see what how's the snare drum responding in this room. Right. And it's usually, without an internal muffler, it's just throw a ring on it or throw a whole bunch of muffling on it or not. Like there's right. really no middle ground. Yeah. And I, I read your uh, review of this, and I thought you were spot on. And you guys will hear this if you listen uh, to the actual full video. But the one place it does not shine is when you just detune the whole thing and leave it wide open. Yeah. If I was yeah. going to detune this drum, which I have one on my side snare, I would actually, instead of detuning the drum properly, I would just do the Nashville studio thing, detune the two tension rods or two tension rods next to each other, and then engage the muffle. And then you'll get yeah. that dead... In, in, all, in all honesty, every snare on the planet can do that. But it, but I would not consider this to be like, oh yeah, this is my country drum, and I'm just going to drop it down low. It just doesn't... It kind of has a lot of wonkiness at that point. Yeah, I would guess that that's probably the sharper edges. It's just there's mm-hmm. less surface for the head to be stable on. So it, yep. that would be probably why that happens. But yeah, that this isn't the drum I would go for for that vibe. I think it's more of the medium and up 
it's just yeah all purpose hearing mark drum. play this drum cranked was awesome I it bet. was like yeah. oh my goodness uh, <laughs> so that was pretty cool and if and uh you guys you can check out on gretch's social media they just released the full video of me mark juliana and victor and drizo at larrabee studios in hollywood taking this drum all through its paces as well. But I think Mike's demo is really good, especially if you're a listener to this podcast, because you're very familiar with Mike's drumming style. So can we move on from this drum? <laughs> well, I, I do seriously think, feel nauseous. So the last thing I think we have to point out is even though it might be called a maple drum, it's not a maple drum. I was point. kind of surprised how different it sounds from my like all maple plywood snare drum. It's, it's a punchier, slightly more vintage sounding drum like i don't think it has all the volume of like a you know a 20 ply maple drum would have right. yeah so it has more control built into it i think that's a good quality in most cases um unless you're just trying to swing for the fences it probably wouldn't be the drum you would go for and for i that. think that gretch has that drum in their lineup already i mean the the goal here was how far can we push things before we leave gretch because i've said this publicly plenty of times so i feel i don't feel bad saying this as much as i love the new classic line of drums there is nothing gretch about those drums Mm -hmm. that is a fender creation right right with a a, with a gretch badge slapped on it so i didn't want to push things so far that it's like oh cool you you made an a and f drum for gretch right it's like no a and f exists let them make drums so this like you said this had to have there still had to be a vintage nature to this drum, even though it's a brand new modern drum. And that's where the, you know, when we started prototyping this, we did it in metal. We did it with a USA custom shell, which would have been mostly gum. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did it with a Brooklyn shell. And this was the one that I felt like, all right, this gives my students the most flexibility and gives them something different than, hey, I bought a 14 by five and a half maple drum. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it has a thing. I, I wanted it to have character, but not so much character. Like I said, that the producer's like, do you have anything other than that snare? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. This would be the one drum. I think you could take the most gig sessions aside from any extreme, anything that's, that's, you know, not extreme loud or extreme symphonic. I think it could do very well, sir. Very well. Boom. All right. You ready to get into some Q and a, yeah, you done sweating over your snare drum. Good God. <laughs> That's so, it's just it's just weird seeing like my kid up there at the spelling bee and you're grilling him and I'm like oh not philanthropist he can't spell that kid's four all right yeah. I've got a whole bunch of questions here we could probably like try to whip to a bunch of them all right lightning round let's do it all right this one's from Big Owls wonder if you could discuss the different types of throw offs that are out there uh, and which you like and don't like that's funny because we didn't even talk about the throw off on the Gretsch drum which is different than I think anybody else's throw off the lightning throw yeah, the, the lightning throw off yeah so that's an uh, how would you even re- refer to that an up and down a flippity flop a swoopy swap I don't know I have a hard time describing it I think if it is a side line I don't know it it I don't know how do you describe it it throws off perpendicular to the shell and the tension tension is on the other side of the of the lever yeah um, but it has been re-engineered that that the throw part has been re-engineered by DW so if you get like an older lightning throw off as soon as you turn it off that thing is wiggling all over the place Mm -hmm. Um, with this one when you turn it off it's very stable and goes up and down Uh, so it slightly re-engineered uh, when DW took over things. Um, and I think but, it's, yeah, it's so, aptly called the lightning throw-off because it, it's very quick to be turned off and there's almost no yeah. resistance to bring it back on. 
So we have that. We have DW's maglev throw off. We have what's mm. the one on most Ludwig snares? The P something. Yeah, I just call it the Ludwig throw. Yeah. The, okay. The, yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough uh, to describe them though without visually showing them to you. But do you have a favorite style of throw off? That's a good question. I think strength and stability, the trick, I think is still the industry standard. The problem with that is it rotates, so it's not the most conducive to really quick on and off movements. I think the yeah. something that comes more like the Gretsch or the new Ludwig, which comes out more perpendicular to the shell, is better for really quick movements. But I think the trick is there's nothing more stable and strong than that. Let me ask opinion. you this. And by the way, when he says the trick, he's not telling you what the trick is about to be. He's that's a brand name. <laughs> yeah, the, the trick, trick throw off. <laughs> Cause every time he said, it, I'm like, the trick is what? Tell I me the it's trick. The GS 007 is what it, the, the model. Okay. Is. So my question to you would be this. Do you ever turn on the, the snares with your leg? I have absolutely okay. have. Yep. So it would help if your snare, throw came off and then could be pushed back on instead of a lever that goes back and forth yeah the old school ludwig doesn't work for that as well and the the trick throw off does not work for that but okay yeah next question about how you use your throw off does it go to the side of one of your knees or does it go directly between your legs if i was playing symphonic music it would be the the snares would be vertically in front of me that way i can play okay. out to the edge and still get maximum snare response if i'm playing drum set it's always to the left underneath the hi-hat gotcha always. okay yeah. cool. I, boom i've never there been able to do and it's some of some systems are weird that you have to position it towards on the right side of the drum that's right. just bizarre to me yeah i mean i think when i think of somebody that this question would be perfect for be somebody like Scott Pellengrom, where I could mm. see him going chicka, 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 with the snare throw <laughs> with the right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where do you put it? Totally with the right hand while solo with his left hand and his snares playing 16th on mm. and off. Awesome. All right, let's get to the next question. Okay. I wasn't quite a lightning round, but <laughs> all right. Our next one is, um, is did there... you just put a Werther's original in your mouth? What are you doing? Dude? <laughs> I just thought you'd have time for a, Carmel, you old man? It's an Asmer. Asmer? Is that the, the weird fetish with mouth sounds? <laughs> ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> is there an app that will notate drums as you play them, which will tell you the type of note, time, grouping, and subdivisions you're playing, as well as label the parts like triplets, and then let you print out the sheet music? Oh, people have been wanting that for a while. There have been many failed attempts. I think Finale even has a transcription mode that is, yeah. it works if you play very simply. If you don't play very accurately, you're going to get a lot of polyrhythms that don't make sense. Yeah. Uh, but and no. I mean, most people I know that have tried that usually still play the drum part on a keyboard while doing it into finale. Um, yeah, you'd have to. It's, yeah, it'd be MIDI. I guess you could maybe use a drum pad, like a MIDI yeah. drum pad. But no. but but no, you can't just rip a solo and then there's a magic transcription Not waiting yet. at the I'm end. I'm sure there'll be AI that will make you obsolete eventually, and then it'll just... <laughs> not need you to play anymore right <laughs> no learn how to write and notate your own stuff john whoa 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 nice shooting text all right next up all right what do we got here um yeah this is a good one from john what episode did you mention uh, a podcast where william h macy was a guest mm-hmm. uh, i don't know the episode but we were talking about off camera was that what it was yep off camera with sam jones is the name of the podcast 
Um, same, don't know what episode. I mean, it's got hundreds of episodes, but they're easy to navigate. You can also watch them on YouTube because it is a TV show uh, aired on the Audience Network. So you can watch it, but I prefer to listen to it. There's more happening inside your mind when you listen to it and don't watch it. All right. Um, if you only had one symbol, what would it be? This is from Ezra, 15-year-old listener. Oof. Can it be a set of hi-hats? Nope. Says the only Well, one symbol. All right. Well, I, okay. Well, I'm going to take the transition right out of that because that's just douche. We just talked about my snare. Um, <laughs> man, I don't know. I guess I, I, as far as what's on my kit right now, it'd be the 22-inch Big Apple Dark Ride because of how I currently play. I can ride on it. I can kind of bash on the side of it. never overswells. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've answered this question. Did we do that one before? Maybe it was at the clinic last week someone asked me. It would be, for me, a 20 or 21-inch crash ride that has holes in it if I wanted to add rivets or not. It would be some sort yeah. of medium-thin vibe. The transition ride, I the got transition you. transition ride, yeah. I don't have to say <laughs> You don't have any holes in your... You don't have any well, holes in your we ride. Could. We could. could. <laughs> I got a drill. I don't know how to use it, but I got one. Don't tell me you're going full-on sizzle, man. God. Hell no. Um, Hell no. Okay, let's see if I can find one more simple one. It's easy to practice. This is from Eric. It's easy to practice overplaying, but how do you practice playing less, playing just the right notes instead of too many notes, playing with taste and musicality? How do you practice taste and musicality? Hmm. I, I think it starts with listening to drummers with taste and musicality yes. because those kind of things seep into your subconscious and you just know when that part of the music comes up all you have to refer to is what the drummers with taste and musicality did in that same type of part in the songs you listen to and you naturally do it uh, when i mean i literally since i sung one drum fill earlier in this episode uh by christina aguilera's beautiful i it's been stuck in my head this whole episode i can't stop in my head going flat doom doom to do and so <laughs> If I was playing a slow ballad that had a bit of a swing bounce to it and it was time to come into the verse, I'd probably go flat doom, 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 boom, and I'd be there. And and so, but if if I'd only listened to Vinny growing up, I might just think one, two. (laughs) (laughs) So it just depends on what you listen to. What about you, buddy? What would you suggest? I would just take it one step further and then play along to those records and play nothing more than what you actually hear on the tracks. Do not add anything. You're not going to make it better. Just play exactly what the original part is. Yeah. 100% agreed. That's it. All right. That's, uh, we're, we're coming to the end here. We should probably move on. You can send your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Do you want to skip picks of the week maybe this time? <laughs> or do you got? I'll go quick. Okay. Do it. Okay, super quick pick of the week, guys. Uh, two weeks ago, I said my pick of the week was the Canon M50. It's amazing. I bought it with the Sigma lens. It's awesome. <laughs> then a week ago, I said, don't get it. You can't get the memory card out without dismounting. I literally the had whole... it in my Amazon shopping cart, and you said, don't do it yet. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, this is insane. I'm not going to take the whole thing off every time I have to get to the memory card. Then did my research and there is a little product called the alzo a-l-z-o liberator it's literally called the okay. liberator so it liberates you from this issue battery door plate for the canon m50 what? and a bunch of other yeah and a bunch of other cameras the panasonic sonic lumix line the fuji xt1 all these different cameras that put their memory card and battery plate right where the the tripod plate would go. Yeah. So this it's 
it would be impossible for me to explain but it what it does is it just goes you screw it into the normal place and it goes off to the side and allows you to have access to the battery plate and uh, so you can open that or the battery door which is also where the memory card is you can leave it on the tripod for your entire life and be all good it's 17 dollars on amazon it's called the alzo alzo liberator battery door plate for a bunch of different cameras so now you can go back to the canon m50 shooting 4k get the sigma 16 mil 1.4 lens boom bob's your uncle oh god i feel better all right so yeah okay that makes sense now i can kind of visualize what's happening it's moving the camera off of the tripod base a bit Exactly. So yeah. if you look at your camera, it looks like it's off to the left of your tripod yeah. by a few inches. But it's such a light camera, it's not doing any damage whatsoever. And this thing is a sturdy, sturdy battery plate. Okay, if you're plate, shopping for in-ear monitors, um, I just got my hands on a set of DB10X by Dream Ears. That's Dream Ears, E-R-E-A-R-Z. So if you go to their site, dreamears.com, you can check these out. This is the... I don't think anybody else has in-ears that have 10 drivers in it. <laughs> it has four ported woofers, two ported low mids, a mid, a high mid, a tweeter, and a super tweeter driver. So there's 10 drivers in this thing. It's frequency response of 16 hertz to 16 kilohertz, which is beyond what most humans can even hear. Um it's pretty crazy. They sound really clean. I've been mixing. I actually mixed all of my solo drum record that came out uh, last week with these. Wow. And the most insane part is they cost less than most in-ear monitors. So that souped-up 10-driver DB10X uh, in-ear is only 1250 bucks. That may sound like a lot, but compare that to any like top-of-the-line from anybody else, they're going to be a lot more than that. So if you're in the, in the market for some custom in-ears, these so far have been great. I do know that the the company is owned by a professional drummer. It's a one-person one business. He made these for himself, turned it into a business. So if you want to support a company owned by a drummer who's servicing drummers, go to dreamears.com. Awesome. I'll probably do a full review of, the, of these in the future once I have some more specific notes about them. But so far, they feel great. They're as good quality as anything I've ever tried and have way more frequency response. Check them out. Dream and they, ears. they offer earplugs too. So Yeah, custom earplugs, all kinds of stuff. So check them out, dreamears.com. Boom. All right. Another episode in the books. What episode was it? Who's our outro groove? <laughs> We've got Ezra. This is, uh, he, Ezra is a senior in high school, and this is a snippet of a song called Walking Down Off by his band, Sea World might want to be careful. Was Sea World out of business? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you might be in the clear then for yeah for copyright infringement. But anyway, this is but don't name it Marine World. They'll come after you hard. All right, so this is Ezra. He's going to kick it off with a clip from his band Sea World. Loving that Thomas Superstar hyperdrive. All right, see you next week. 